this is Jeff Gober and we welcome you to this Disney at Work, where we take best in business ideas from the happiest places on earth, from the world of Disney, and apply them back to your own organization. There is much on Disney Plus that not only teaches us about what matters most in life, but what works at work. This week, Pixar released a new series of shorts that center around work life at Monsters Incorporated. It's Monsters at Work. This humorous adventure shows how change occurs when the product being produced goes from scares to laughs. It's particularly impactful on a new employee who planned his whole life to work at Monsters Incorporated, but now finds himself in the maintenance department when he no longer can use his strengths he forged in screaming. It's a great little satire about how organizations must be agile to change. At the same time, another Disney Plus offering showcases life at Pixar itself and how some problematic trends in developing a dominant number of male characters in Pixar movies became noticed by a frontline worker, Jessica Hyde assigned to manage script documentation. This too offers tremendous insight as to the culture of Pixar and how it's working to move its internal culture forward in positive and impactful ways. I hope you'll join us as we go through both of these little shorts, but talk about their implications in one's own work and work environment, how it impacts an organizational culture. Let's start with Monsters of Work. And by the way, make sure you follow along uh, with our post at DisneyAtWork.com. In fact, how cool, Monsters at Work, Disney at Work, in fact, Pixar at Work, it's all together. So I love the fact that uh, that the name of our uh, the name of our uh, podcast and post ties into uh, the name of this new Monsters series from Monsters Incorporated. Let's start it there with Monsters at Work. Um, you probably have seen Monsters Incorporated, particularly the first film. It was probably not my favorite Pixar film, but I have to say that I think it's one of the most creative, most imaginative concepts that ever came out of Pixar. I mean, where do they come up with these ideas? Well, actually, there's a documentary that talks about that. But <laughs> this uh, Monsters Incorporated was really um, a milestone in original scripting and thinking, and and it was just on many on many levels. A really strong film. That said, if you saw um, uh, Monsters or Incorporated um, or Monster University Incorporated, you also see that. Well, in my view, that was probably one of the poorest films that Pixar ever came up with. Kind of right up where with the uh, the Good Dinosaur. It just didn't didn't do much for me. So I was very curious when Monsters at Work came out today. And in fact, actually, they've provided not one, but two episodes. 
They're each about 20, 25 minutes in length, um, plus credits. So what's happening here is this, these shorts are set after the main events of Monsters Incorporated. You know, the Monsters University, that is kind of a pre, um, a setting prior to Monsters Incorporated. Here we're just uh, in the days that follow when the city of Monstropolis is making the transition to be fueled by the sound of laughter instead of screams. There's a new hire, Tyler Tuskman, a recent scare major graduate from Monsters University, and he's come on board to work at Monsters Incorporated only to find out that uh, he's no longer needed uh, in the scare uh, floor. Instead, he's now assigned to be a mechanic in the facilities dream, facilities team, where he dreams of working alongside his idols, Mike Wazowski and James P. Sully Sullivan. Um, this isn't the funniest Monsters Incorporated film, but there's a lot of really cute parts to it. And it's really worth watching. It says, and all of it together, I can't, uh, I'm not exactly sure how many uh, shorts they are planning here. Um, my guess is that this is probably going to be a series of um, six to eight new um, new films. How many? Um, I'm not sure exactly how many are actually going to be running here, but um, at least four that I could tell have been uh, scheduled uh, over this next month. So maybe that's it, but, but all put together, it's about the length of a full feature. And I think it's really worth watching. More importantly, I think there's some just tremendous insights that come. Uh, from Monsters at Work, insights that can be adapted to any organization. The first of these is that world-class organizations, you have to be agile to change. In the case of Monsters Incorporated, they realized that they were going to have to go from screams to laughs, but there's more involved with that than just simply being funny. There was all sorts of organizational changes that had to to be put in place. In fact, in truth, the whole system had to think differently about how it approached its worth. Remember when you came to the door of Monsters Incorporated, there was a big slogan out in front that said, we scare because we care. One of the things that happens in episode one is you see, well, that's not gonna work anymore as a uh, slogan and Mike Wazowski is trying to think up, okay, what's the new slogan? What's the new, what's the new catchphrase? Uh, in truth, a key mantra um, or vision statement is really important in getting everyone pointed in the same direction. But it's more than just uh, a slogan. Eventually, they they s settle with uh, "It's laughter we're after," um, but you see how they're kind of struggling. Because, again, is everybody pointing in the same direction of what needs to be done moving forward? That's, that's the power of having a vision. When um, Tyler comes on board, he's put through 
an onboarding process that is that includes an orientation and other events and activities and it's just awful and it just really re-emphasizes the criticality of onboarding new employees and having an orientation that uh, ties to your values to your traditions and to what really matters most in an organization um, in the process there's a little moment where Tyler and I'm not giving any real um, I, this isn't uh, uh, there isn't anything I'm really revealing um, in 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 my description of this film but uh, in the process he, he does finally meet up with Mike Wazowski and, and James P. Solly Sullivan. And one of the key things that happens there is, is that Solly says, hey, from now on, just call us Mike and Solly. Um, and you know what? That matters. In organizations, you want to flatten the organization. I'm going to illustrate this even more when we go to our second uh, short in a few minutes. But even something as simple as using first names, hey, this is what Walt Disney did. Yeah, the organizational structure was had its own vertical shape, but you want to make sure that um, it's possible to um, relate and to share and to communicate with others. In fact, a mantra at Pixar itself is that you should not mistaken the organizational structure with the communication structure. Everybody should be able to share and give insight and thought and comment. And so how you flatten the organization as a culture, that's, that's really important. It's important to recognize those in the back of the house who work to support the front of the house. Remember that the, the real stars of Monsters Incorporated are the ones who walk through the doors and go into the bedrooms of kids and get them to, well, originally uh, cry and be scared and later on to, to actually laugh. But, but you have to also remember the people who are in the back of the house, the people who work hours and in places you never see. I know one of the, one of the things that's, that's always been a part of Disney for so many decades is the idea of honoring third shift workers. In fact, they don't even call it midnight shift. They use, and titles matter, uh, terms matter, and you kind of see that happening in, in this short, but the idea that every year they're celebrating that third shift and do a special breakfast and really honor those people who work those crazy, difficult hours, along with the other kinds of rewards and recognition. In fact, um, we they you're gonna see a little bit more about recognition when we get to Peck, uh, Pixar itself and its own culture. You want to make sure your traditions have relevance and meaning. There's a little sequence where Tyler goes through sort of this MIFT membership. MIFT is uh, Monsters Incorporated Facilities Team. This is the back of the house team that Tyler is assigned to when he realizes that he can, that scaring doesn't matter and that it really is comedy. Tyler wants badly to join um, the comedy floor, but he knows he's got to learn comedy. In the meantime, um, he's kind of brought into this MIFT department, again, Monsters Incorporated Facilities team, and they have these very strange traditions and, and so forth. They're quite funny and humorous, but in truth, 
in real life, those kinds of traditions need to have relevance. They need to have meaning. They need to have an association with what matters. Um, we see Mike Wazowski in this running um, 24 hours a day, trying to keep the lights on, so to speak, by going in and out of doors and trying to um, to uh, bring comedy to the kids and, and create energy. At the same time, he's also been assigned to create a uh, college of comedy. Before they had the MU School of Scaring, now they're going to have the College of Comedy. And this is about importance and urgent. It's urgent for Mike right now to get out there and to generate uh, electricity. But it's, and it's important too for him to do that. But sometimes the important non-urgent things are even more important. And in this case, he needs to run that college of comedy and get more people trained so that they can get more um, comedy. So they're in this, a deluxe of he's running on what it was called 36 and a half hour energy drinks um in order to keep himself going and you know when you're burning um the wick on both ends it doesn't it doesn't work so again you have to focus at some point on what is Im, uh, important even if it's not urgent um they talk about providing opportunities for promotion from within they talk about um, Solly and Wazowski's own, uh, where they started from, but also you're seeing this play out with Tyler as he is seeking for opportunities and promotion. And that's a big issue at Disney that generally has been, and it's, it's been broken a couple of times, but by and large, this has been a big philosophy to, we uh, promote from within and and even up until recently the head of Walt Disney World started back in 1971 back 50 years ago with um, working as a, a bus um, busing tables at at restaurants um, and a, a head of Disney's Hollywood Studios started on day one uh, working at the Haunted Mansion when it first opened in 1971. So finding opportunities to promote your employees within, um, all these are great messages that you're gonna get when you watch these first two episodes. I'm excited to see what the other two episodes do um, and, and where it goes. I kind of sense where it's going. It's not too surprising yet, um, but still there's, there's some really good, good messages about your own organization and, and what, and, and how the culture matters. In fact, we really see this in the second documentary, in the second short that I wanted to cover. It's called Inside Pixar, inspired Jessica Haidt, Who Gets All the Lines? This is, this is, I saw this a couple of weeks ago and I had seen a previously a sort of inside um, the Walt Disney Studios when they, they kind of did this multi-series documentary around Frozen 2. Now, frankly, um, Frozen 2 was okay, um, but it didn't overly impress me by any means. I have to say, when I watched that, um, that documentary, I saw Frozen 2 in a new light. And I probably ought to do a review on that one as well. But, but then I saw this inside Pixar and 
boy, there are some great little shorts. One of these short documentaries is called Inspired Dan Scanlon, Where Ideas Come From. And this is a story about how this particular uh, director had gone on a personal journey of inspiration and personal experiences in his own life that led to ultimately to the film Onward. Now, again, wasn't really impressed with Onward. But when I saw this documentary and saw where the concept had come from, it, it was very inspiring to me and it made me want to watch Onward and give it another, another chance. In this case, the one I really want to cover here has to do with, again, who gets all the lines uh, with Jessica Height. This is a documentary series. Again, the whole thing is documentary series of personal and cinematic stories that provide an inside look into the people, artistry, and culture of Pixar Animation Studios. In this case, episode four, script supervisor Jessica Height manages endless lines of dialogue. She manages the script through her script access she detected a disparity in male-to-female roles, motivating her to create a program to improve gender balance throughout the Pixar's film, throughout Pixar's films, and, and in general the greater film industry. What's happening here? And and they don't give you this in the documentary, but Pixar began with a team of young men who went to Cal Arts in its initial years and became animators. And one of the leaders in this small class was John Lasseter, who in time created the vision behind what became Pixar. I mean, he truly is the Walt Disney to Pixar. And, um, and has done an amazing job. I want to give John Lasseter absolutely every credit he deserves. But one of the challenges that was created is that there weren't a lot of female artists and it became kind of um, a boys club network. It wasn't so intentional that way. It was really just who was available, but without being intentional to really build and, and add more female directors and artists and leads, it became too male dominated. Many uh, corporations, particularly uh, in the IT sector, struggle with this issue. There is too much male dominance in these, in, in many industries. And, and so this is the preface to, and by the way, it also created a situation which John Lasseter was uh, purported to have perhaps been too friendly with female employees. And I can't answer for that because I wasn't, I didn't know John Lasseter, I didn't know the situations, but several individuals, uh, female artists and others in Pixar felt uncomfortable with some of the things that John Lasseter both said and did. And the end result is that John Pixar, uh, John Lasseter has moved on from, from Pixar. This kind of 
picks up from that. And you don't have that context going into the documentary, but I wanted you to have that sense that Pixar has always been a little concerned about this, but didn't know really what to do about it. Well, here is this individual, Jessica Height. Now, she's a script supervisor, and that sounds like a managerial title, but she doesn't manage people, she manages the script. She has the responsibility for making sure everyone is literally on the same page. Because what will happen is if you, if you can go through a lot of different versions of a film over a period of time. And you can, if you don't keep track, in fact, she, I think relative to Soul, she said, there were six versions of that movie alone alone that no longer exists and were no longer no longer what eventually became the movie soul so from from animation and you don't want to go into animation unless you really got the right dialogue in your in your hands you don't want to go into the studio to record if you don't have the right hand so she plays a significant role in terms of making sure everybody's on the same page she's got the right script but she's not in charge of the film and she doesn't make decisions about the story or the flow or the characters or how the how the film ends that's not her role she just makes certain that what is decided everybody is on the right page and everybody has a copy of that page well long story short from about 2007 to 2013 she learned or came to realize that for every six people on the screen in a Pixar movie, four would be male and two would be female. So in other words, less than one third of the characters in Pixar movies were female. And that's, that's not really how society is. Society is much more 50-50 and, but Pixar was not. This was more reflective of really how Pixar had become. Jessica, in her role, could see how the film was being shaped in a way no one else could. Now, you have writers who are worried about words and editors who think about the flow of those words and, and artists who think about how the characters are portrayed and you have special effects people who make sure the explosion goes right and you have a director who looks at the entire story arc but jessica's the only one really in charge of the word count and she could see that script in terms of where the words went and how many got how how many people got how many words in a given film she didn't have the power to make a change but in her role, Pixar allowed her to have a voice. And this is very powerful because in my work with other organizations, I talk about leadership, but I don't talk about leadership in terms of who is in charge or who is in control. I define leadership excellence as those who have influence, those who create influence. And Jessica, first of all, was Jessica is clearly a leader in this, in this under this definition. She 
wasn't in charge of the film, but she could see something and she could see that she might be find a way to, to influence its outcome. Um, and as she spoke to others about it, the response actually, even though it was a fairly male-dominated industry, the response actually was very positive. They knew, especially in light of the issues I, I mentioned previously, there was a problem. They didn't maybe see it quite as a big problem. It really required somebody coming forward and and really kind of painting the picture of what was going on. And so she actually ended up partnering with Josh Miner, who was in the tools department. That's another way of saying IT, developing software to bet. And, and together with Josh, Josh saw a way that perhaps the script and the words in the script could be quantified so as to show how many were male and how many were going to female and how many characters were male and how many characters were female and so forth. And so by creating this quantifiable measure, it became possible to look at the gender count at every milestone in the film development process to make sure that they, what they were doing was, was right. So in Cars 3 is an example she gives she counted the lines of dialogue in terms of the number of male and female um, characters and lines. And the first script showed that 90% of the lines were going to male characters. That's not surprising. You got, you got Lightning McQueen and you got Mater and so forth. You have Sally, but Sally wasn't quite playing a, a dominant role in this film. So, so, um, so she saw the possibility of maybe changing that, even with minor characters being made female and so forth, and, and a new larger female being made part of the film. When it eventually came to, and this improved over time, on Soul, the film actually became pretty much 50-50. Uh, not to say that they're trying to make every film 50-50, but... As the studio goes about making, say, seven films over seven years, they should be able to look at the total number of characters and the total number of lines and average it out to be more 50-50, which is more reflective of what the, what the culture is like. And efforts around things... Um, I, I just love this because this is an effort around something that mattered. Um, and, and in truth, when you're trying to do important things like create a more diverse, equitable, and exclusive brand or culture, it requires you being intentional about it. And here was someone who stepped forward to do just that. Be intentional about how much of this was going on and who were the characters and how much dialogue was going to whom. And the... Um, as part of this, uh, we see that Jessica Height was given um, what was referred to as a Russell Award. You remember Russell from Up, and it's a little Russell statue, and it's provided to those who are unsung heroes in, um, in Pixar. And I think that's, I love that recognition. I love the symbolism of that recognition. I love a little statue. Who wouldn't want a little Russell? And, and she is definitely one who really earns that, uh, that award. But again, 
if you don't have a culture that that allows you to celebrate anybody coming forward and becoming an, a hero, uh, again, that's part of that flattening of the organization. You, you won't have it happen. You have to create opportunities. You have to create communication vehicles. You have to create accountability measures. You have to create even things like recognition to celebrate those who are, um, who, who, who lead, uh, even when they're down in the trench. I invite you to see both, well, uh, both films for Monsters at Work, but also to see um, this Inside Pixar inspired short with Jessica Haidt. I think they offer some great um, insights. In fact, already I have clients um, for a university system that they're required to see this uh, Pixar-inspired uh, Who Gets All the Lines uh, short because it speaks so many lessons around what your culture ought to be, what how how you you create um how you are intentional about even things like being diverse and equitable and inclusive that sums it up for this disney at work podcast i appreciate you joining us this is part of our opportunity to talk about what a great culture looks like and what great brands look like and this is what i do in my work if you need to talk to someone for your organization about how you can create a high performing culture and a world-class brand give me a call i am just a step away and can help you and your organization see in new ways what great organizations like Disney, like Pixar, do to improve their organizations, to take excellence to the next level. So feel free to give me a call and let's talk about your organization. I'm happy to hear what's working and what your challenges are in your organization. Again, thanks for joining us. And finally, in the words of Sinbad's Storybook Voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.